Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Wow, the podcast that will help you navigate your way through the world of adulthood and the uncontrollable forces of womanhood. I'm Georgina Beasley, your host, and in today's episode, we hear from Audrey Clare, a dating and communications coach who will help us navigate 21st century dating, especially when it comes to dating in the middle of a pandemic and chatting to people online. If you enjoyed today's episode, please remember to subscribe, leave a review, share it with your friends. And if you haven't already, come join us on Instagram at thewowpodcast underscore. Hi, Audrey. Thanks so much for coming and joining us on the Wow Podcast today. Hi, Georgina. Lovely to, so lovely to be here. I'm actually, I'm actually really excited to talk to you. Yeah, likewise. I'm sure this is going to be a really interesting episode for our listeners today. So to get straight into it and get started, would you mind sharing a little bit about your background with all of us? To briefly introduce myself, I'm a dating coach and communication expert who's based here in Melbourne. Um, But my coaching business is called My Wing Woman and I work with women all over Australia and sometimes the world as well um, to help them go from feeling like dating is just one giant knot to feeling uh, way more confident and in charge and self-empowered in their dating life. Um, So that's what my day-to-day is all about. And besides that, I'm a massive dog lover. (laughs) Um, And as we were just joking about before we started recording, I've got two little dogs who are running around who I'm waiting to kind of interfere with this recording at any given moment. And I'm also a bit of a coffee addict, so I've got my coffee here next to me. It's my first of many for the day um yeah we're recording at 9am so bright and early so I'm sure you need that (laughs) absolutely yeah absolutely I'm probably not really me until I've had at least one coffee um (laughs) yeah so that's a little bit about me I guess and did you always want to be a dating and communications expert like what did you want to be when you were younger yeah it's a great question and I know I really do know my answer. So this is one of those things that I have this really vivid memory from when I was, if by younger you mean as a kid, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, when I was a child, like a really little kid, I um, I think I must have watched one too many of those behind-the-scenes DVDs um, for different movies and so I really mm-hmm. wanted to be a movie director. That was my first, um, first I guess, intended career but... As I got a little bit older, I, um, I realised that actually my passion was in, in communication and mm. um, also in, in personal development. And those are the two things that um, really led me towards where I am today. But, you know, growing up as I got a bit older and, you know, well into my teens and 20s, I was really fascinated by communication, personal development and that former topic. So communication is what really led me to go off and study that at uni. From there, I got into a a marketing and comms career. But behind the scenes, I sort of always felt like something, a big part of me wasn't satisfied. You know, there's something Mm -hmm. about that that I wasn't getting to fully express myself and the things that I guess really float my boat and the things that I'm really interested in. And so behind the scenes, I'd started to help 
people in their love lives and I just just kind of fell into it. Were you that person in the friendship group that just always gave the advice to all the friends? Like, (laughs) you know, there's always someone, we all have it in every friendship circle that it's like the go-to for relationship advice. Was that you? Totally, totally, from as early as I can remember. Um, (laughs) And then, you know, with the birth of online dating, I, you know, I would have written some of the very first online dating profiles for people years ago you know I can remember um, when I first started helping people I was writing profiles for people you know they were meeting people through online and um, that was back when it was like really hush hush and people would you know make up excuses about you know fake stories about how they met their partners so um, so I'd been doing that as I guess as a something on the side for for many years and I realized that that was such a huge passion for me um, to, to really help people in that space because it was mm. a, a fusion for me of communication, personal development and my love of coaching people. And the other thing that I started to realise is that, you know, I was surrounded by all of these incredibly smart, accomplished women who would still find, you know, dating incredibly tough, right? And Mm-hmm. I realise it's such a, it can be that last piece or that in sometimes that, own, that only piece where someone's feeling like their confidence is a little bit rattled or, you know, they're making choices that aren't always leading them down the paths they want to go down. And so I started to see how with the right support and having a compassionate coach in your corner, um, the people I was helping, you know, were, were kind of going from feeling overwhelmed and confused and fatigued um, and really demotivated to feeling like they were really in charge of their love lives and, you know, ultimately meeting people and attracting people into their lives that um, made them really happy. And so eventually, um, you know, one thing led to another and I I set up my my business a few years ago, which is my wing woman. So you might say that now I'm a professional wing woman full time and, and that's what I focus my whole my whole life around at the moment. That's amazing. It's interesting because I think like what you were touching on before, dating can be a very difficult thing for women because I think as we progress into our 20s, I think that that thought in the back of our mind that unfortunately we do have a bit of a body clock on us, like shit, we need to get out there. We need to put ourselves out there. We need to find Mr. Right because we don't have the luxury, I guess, in comparison to men to just like cruise all in and just wait until it eventually Mm. happens and not really have to worry about it because biologically women aren't built for that when it comes to having children we put pressure on ourselves in the dating world to really get ourselves out there and to really find people but it can almost be overwhelming in a sense that it's so overwhelming when it comes Mm. to dating that you're just like oh my god I can't even I can't even (laughs) like where to begin so I'll Jump right into our first question then. So I'm curious to know from your perspective, Audrey, what are some of the biggest barriers holding women back from getting out there into the dating scene? Yeah, look, I actually think you started to really touch on touch on some of that um, just then in what you were saying. I, I really, I can really relate to that. And, you know, I, I think generally what I'd say is it's it's no secret that dating is is hard and I think what makes it so challenging is it it can throw up so much self-doubt and and vulnerability for men and women right and I was reflecting on 
something that Brene Brown talks about um, the other day. Brene Brown, for those who may not have discovered her, is a, a really well-known um, vulnerability and shame researcher. She's fantastic. Yeah. All of her work is so incredible. I know, right? And and she she defines vulnerability as uncertainty, risk and emotional exposure. And if you think about dating, you know, it serves up all of those things in spades at virtually every turn. And so if you're someone who's finding elements of dating or a lot of elements of dating really tough, the first thing that I say to women is acknowledge that it's tough, right? It's You're putting yourself out there. There's a lot of uncertainty. Um, there's a huge amount of vulnerability that comes with it. And so they're, you know, recognizing that it's not just you, it's that you're doing something that's, that's quite, can be quite challenging and really, really difficult for people. But I think, I think that there's, and that, that, that challenge can lead to all kinds of different mindsets that aren't necessarily productive, that, you know, might be leading you to, you know, make the wrong choices or to doubt yourself all the time or to feel really weighed down by dating. So I, mm-hmm. I talk about um, this idea of there being, dating knots you know everyone has their own little collection of dating knots that are basically anything that's keeping you from feeling that's keeping you feeling stuck or de-energized or you know confused right and I think there's a couple things I, I, I wanted to add like just to what you were saying earlier I think that we definitely grow up with a lot of messaging that we absorb from um, you know, from Hollywood and rom-coms and movies and TV that definitely reinforce this idea that, you know, that's what life is about, you know, falling in love and meeting a meeting a special someone. Um, but it also makes it look very easy, you know. It's mm, like you don't 100%. always see the struggles. There's you pretty much always a happy ending, um, you know, chemistry is something that happens instantly. You never see much intentional dating in the movies, um, you know, I like to say, like, if you ran your love life the way Carrie does in Sex in the City, you know, you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah. But, like, also it just does, like, when do you ever just sit in a bar and have some gorgeous, handsome mm. guy just come tap you on the shoulder and be like, hey, let me take you out for dinner. Mm. Like, excuse me. Or the only people that are tapping me on the shoulders are the seedy guys that I don't want to go near. <laughs> Definitely. And I think exactly, and it makes you, it makes women and men sometimes feel like, it should be something that happens, you know, happens to them. Everything just falls into place naturally. And if you're not having all of these meat cutes, you know, in the street all the time, then there's something wrong with you. And that's just not reality. And so I think that's one, that's one big pressure and one big, you know, message that everyone's absorbed. And I think the other thing is because dating has so much uncertainty around it, there's this real temptation to, latch onto things that help you decode it. And what I mean by that, so I talk about dating decoding as this thing that, you know, a lot of the time happens when we're looking for things external to us to help make sense of it. And we're looking for kind of a rule book to decode dating rather than, so we're kind of being guided by things that, you know, are rules and standards that other people have set around dating as opposed to doing it your way and following your own um, your own internal compass around different things and I think could you provide an example on that yeah so so an example of like dating decoding would be 
I'm not meant to message the guy straight after the date because I've read this rule somewhere that says, you know, I'm meant to play hard to get, right? Yeah. Wait for him to message you wait, first. But wait for him to message me versus maybe one of your values and one of the things that you generally do in life is just express gratitude when you've had a good time, right? Maybe you do that with your friends. Maybe you do that with, you know, with acquaintances and work colleagues and everyone else. But then for some reason in dating, you become a different person and you're led by a completely different set of rules that someone else decided. And so you can start to feel like you're this whole other person, right? Rather Mm. than just going, you know what, if I want to say thanks for a great date, had a great time, do that, right? Because all of your angst, often all the things that that will zap you of your energy in dating is often not things that are happening, but it's actually how you're feeling about the choices that you're making about, you know, your own behaviour, your own communication and how in alignment those things feel with what your, you know, your own internal compass is telling you you should be doing. And I I think Mm. there's just so much really um, not, you know, not great messaging that, that focuses on, all of these little tactical rules that you're meant to absorb. And I think particularly, you know, when we're younger, we latch on to those, those little rules as a way of, yeah, kind of coping with some of the uncertainty, I guess. Because we don't know any better. <laughs> mm, mm, absolutely. And it's not to say that you can't experiment with some of these things. It's just, yeah, I think it, it can get you into that real pattern of overthinking and then that overthinking turns to, feeling really anxiety and yeah, stress, stress, overwhelming, overwhelm, mm. fatigue, you know, maybe you withdraw from dating for weeks and months and sometimes years. So mm-hmm. it's what seems like a really small thing can sometimes turn into, you know, into something that's way less productive for you and less, um, less loving, less loving for yourself in the yeah. long term. Do you find that we compare ourselves? Cause I think it's, really interesting when you have your friendship circle of your close girlfriends there there will always be one that is constantly in a relationship and you're like how does she do it Uh (laughs) how does she find these men where are they popping up from and how come I've been sitting here patiently waiting you know doing my bit and not finding any do you find that the desire to compare yourself to others makes that self-doubt even I guess bigger Hugely. And I think the thing about comparison, and I'm I'm glad that you brought that up, I think comparison is so rife and it can kind of attack, you know, without a moment's notice and in a nanosecond, you know, you can go from feeling okay about something to feeling really inferior. Mm. And, you know, it's it can be something as simple as you scrolling through Instagram and seeing a picture of a friend with her, you know, with her partner and and kind of Looking going happy like, and yeah. just so happy and you know and all of this comparison is isn't helping you and it's also not often it's not based on reality you know you're not seeing all of the struggles that someone's had you're not necessarily even seeing a real representation of how someone's the syndrome of the social media highlight reel <laughs> oh completely completely mm-hmm. and so you know even simple things like um, you know, if a friend's telling you that she's getting all of these matches on on a dating app and you're kind of going, well, I'm not getting many, really question, well, okay, like that's great, that's her experience, but I'm, I'm proud of my own experience and I'm just going to focus in on what I'm doing, what I'm about, and remember that it may not always be 
complete reality and who's to say they're all fantastic matches who's to say that there's not a lot of struggle in that who's to say you know quality over quantity (laughs) yeah exactly but I I just hear that sort of stuff a lot and I think we all do it and we do compare we do compare in so many areas not just in our love lives and and with dating but I think it's one if it's something that you want and it's something that's important to you um, it's something that you care about that's going to be something that I think is more likely to spark that comparison mindset. What are some ways in which we can get into that mindset, that the correct mindset that we need to be like to really conquer the dating world? Look, when I work with, with women, a big part of getting into the right frame of mind and I guess kind of um, getting yourself out of that decoding and comparison and feeling like you're following all of these other rules that someone else set is firstly all about like um, being really accepting and reacquainted with who you are, right? So Mm -hmm. when I work with women one-on-one, we'll always spend a lot of time like actually reacquainting you with you. So what are the things that you care about? What do you love doing? You know, what are your preferences? What are you proud of? What are your accomplishments? What are your strengths? You know, because especially if you're in that comparison mode um, or if you're focused very much on outcomes and, and kind of, you know, progressing with your dating life, sometimes you can get very, you know, you sort of lose sight of what it is that you're about, what you bring to the table, what you're proud of about you. And, that, the reason why that's so important is I think that that helps you to also then get reacquainted with your values and understanding your values. So what are the things that really matter to you in life? What are, you, what are all of your decisions being driven by? Um, you know, what, do you, what sort of behaviour do you um, respect? What's your kind of own internal compass? And the more conviction and clarity you have over those things, the easier it is for you to then come up with your own set of standards for yourself, but also for maybe who you're interested in dating, right? So who mm-hmm. I would be willing to invest time and energy in. If And if you're not coming from that place, you can kind of start to feel like maybe a little bit of a, a leaf in the wind, right? Like you're just mm-hmm. kind of float, floating around and you you can feel a little bit at the whim of events that happen to you or just kind of um, rolling with the punches. And I don't mean that it's not okay to experiment and to discover things and to work out what you like and don't like, but it's is it coming from a place of, you know, right now I know who I am and what I like at the moment and what's important to me at the moment and am I allowing that to dictate, you know, some of the things that I do and don't do and, and do and don't tolerate in my dating life. So, Kind of that, but that being that really um, self-directed person in dating requires, yeah, quite a bit of quite a bit of that work sometimes on and reacquainting yourself with those things. And and if you do that really well, when you get really clear on those things, rejection's easier to take because you know you don't necessarily see it as a slight on your self-worth. You just mm-hmm. see rejection as a natural part of working out who's right for you and who's not and often you're mm. able to see a certain standard that wasn't met 
and you're making decisions in a much more um, self-assured way because you're like, yeah, no, I can see why that just isn't right for me or that's not the thing that I want or I can see that that has nothing to do with my self-worth. And when you're loving your decisions and you're loving how you communicate and rejection is just that little bit easier, dating can actually be really fun. Mm. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, and and look, I think with reframing some of the, particularly if you've got lots of little unhelpful um, dating knots that are coming up all the time, it can take a lot of self-compassion and practice to, to kind of untie those things and reframe the hold that they might have over you. But, yeah, it's it's definitely possible to go from feeling really weighed down and confused in dating to a lot more, to, to way more self-assured and in charge and just confident with how you're, how you're, how you're acting in your dating life. Mm. It sounds like what you're getting at is it's all about dating yourself first and mm. learning and learning more about how you can love yourself and love the person you are and really become aligned with your values before you start dating other people because it sounds like you've got to be re- very in tune with yourself before you're ready to put yourself out there to others. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, that is so that is so essential and, you know, if you're feeling like you're being pulled from pillar to post in your dating life, you know, it might be time to yeah, to kind of to get re-in-touch re with that and spend time there. We'll just move on to some listener questions now. Ooh. So the first question is from Annabelle and she wants to ask you, Audrey, mm-hmm. is it a bad thing to be picky? Is it a bad thing to be picky? So my answer to that is yes and no, right? Mm. <laughs> um, because it kind of depends on what you're being picky about. So I talk about getting really clear on your standards. So we've already started to talk a little bit about that. But when it comes to standards for who you're investing time and energy in, I say um, it's important to tighten your grip on the things that really matter and loosen your grip on the things that don't. And it can take a little bit of reflection and thought to kind of differentiate between those things. So if you're being picky on, for example, if you're being picky on lots of really superficial things. So for example, appearance or height or even geography, you know, like, Mm. oh my gosh, he lives on the other side of town and that's really inconvenient. It's just not going to work. That sometimes can come from a, a sense of like maybe not having the really big standards sorted out. So rather than being really picky on things that really at the end of the day don't matter to you, being really discerning and intentional about whether or not someone has some of the really key things that you're looking for and those things could could range from it's essential for me to be with someone who is really secure in themselves or it's essential that I'm with someone who's family orientated and shares Mm. that as a value right and the, the clearer you are in those things some of those other things that you might be a little bit picky on kind of fade into the background a little bit. And it's not, it's hard because I I talk about this idea of um, how everyone has their own set of um, sparkly eggshells, which are, (laughs) (laughs) which I have all these different sayings for things and sparkly, sparkly eggshells always makes me laugh. (laughs) I'm curious to know what this is about. (laughs) Yes. So if you imagine a sparkly eggshell, right, it's 
obviously an eggshell that's particularly sparkly on the outside, right? And it's glistening and it looks amazing and, you know, it attracts you towards it. But what's within is actually hollow, right? Mm. And it's not necessarily getting you to the quality that you're looking for. So the way this plays out in dating is you might be really attracted to certain qualities. So let's say you've got you know, you're really attracted to someone who's like a really snappy dresser, you know, they're amazing yeah. dresser. That could be a sparkly eggshell for you. It's not a bad thing, right? It's great if someone's a, a, spark, um, a snappy dresser, but if you're not zooming out and taking in the whole person, that could become a sparkly eggshell for you that kind of leads you down a path down that isn't path. necessarily right. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So I talk about when it comes to being, you know, too picky or not picky enough there's this skill I think in learning how to zoom in and zoom out so Rachel is wants to know uh it takes her a little while to open up to someone and she would like to know how she can make sure that the people she's interested in stick around long enough for her to start feeling comfortable enough to share more right okay so I'm kind of hearing there's like two things that I'm hearing in that question um, and I might I might be wrong but the first thing I'm hearing is maybe a little bit of shyness mm-hmm. um, and the second thing I'm hearing is obviously that kind of sense of, um, you know, feeling like you can't be open or can't be fully yourself around someone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so on the first thing around shyness, just in case that is a factor, I think shyness is something, it's a natural feeling that's probably coming up for you, right? And certain people are going to spark that extra sense of shyness in you, right? And I I like to say like it's completely okay to be shy and I actually think that it can be really cute and attractive when you own your shyness, right? And Mm -hmm. you can even say to someone, you know, if you're if you're on a first date or a second date and you're you're still kind of having those shyness uh, feelings up completely okay to say I'm sorry if I'm seeming a little bit shy but I get shy around people that I like which can actually be kind of flirty right especially in the early stages of getting to know someone and you're kind of saying you're kind of helping them to understand your shyness and and it can be interesting to observe how someone responds to that because you're essentially Mm -hmm. expressing I'm a little bit shy, you know, and a, and a not, you know, good person. You think about what a good mm. person's going to do to respond to that. They're going to be like, okay, great. Like, A, I know that you're enjoying getting to know me and that you kind of like me. And B, I'm probably going to put that effort in to make you not shy, right? Suddenly the empathy will come out. Don't feel like you have to hide your shyness, I guess, is the, the point that I'd make. But on the, on the second point around, you know, not feeling comfortable to open up and be who you are, I think... It's probably less about, you know, how can I make sure someone is sticking around long enough because that implies that there's a magical spot in time where suddenly, um, you know, I'm going to start being myself and they'll get to see me, you know, after Mm -hmm. as long as they're around for long enough. Mm -hmm. And I think to form a connection with someone, they do have to see a sense of authenticity and a sense of you aren't opening up enough that they feel like you're sharing a bit of yourself with them and that doesn't mean that you have to be opening up about your deepest darkest secrets right or sharing all of your deepest darkest fears and that in fact that would be oversharing right and you shouldn't be Mm -hmm. 
you shouldn't be getting that vulnerable with someone that hasn't really earned that from you yet. Mm-hmm. But that shouldn't stop you from just, you know, freely expressing yourself. So don't worry about, um, try not to worry about judgment because mm-hmm. when someone else is watching you freely express yourself, they're, they're mostly just thinking, wow, this person really knows who they are. They know what they like. They don't have to agree with all of it, but they can still kind of take all of that in from a, from a place of, of just accepting that this, this person is freely sharing who, who they are with me and I appreciate that and it can encourage mm-hmm. them to do the same. But the other thing I would say to Rachel is, you know, in the early stages of getting to know someone, a little reframe that you can make in your mind is to switch yourself from, I guess, from getting really in your own head and thinking Mm -hmm. about what you're saying and what you're communicating, what you're expressing, and maybe shift that into a space of um, curiosity and empathy. Mm -hmm. So rather than thinking about, oh, what am I telling here? What am I saying? And I'm, you know, him or her, whoever, um, whoever it is that you're dating, rather than worrying about what I'm saying to them, really thinking about, I'm curious to get to know them. What makes them tick? I wonder what mm-hmm. we have in common. You know, I wonder what they care about. And and kind of approach your early stage conversations from that perspective, and that will get you out of this mindset that's a bit more focused on on you and what you're sharing mm-hmm. and into kind of getting to know them. Um, and if you can touch on topics that you start to see, you know, you've got common ground on, you know, stick on those topics, like build, flesh out these topics and these areas that you guys. Because it will be easier to open up when there, it's a mutual connection there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that would be, that would be one of the key things is like, you know, get out of your, as much as you can, I know it's easier said than done, but get out of your own head around what you're saying and start to be curious about kind of, you know, um, pulling out what you can learn about someone um, mm-hmm. and, and what makes them tick and, and take in that sort of more empathetic mindset to, yeah, to your conversations with them. The lucky last question is from Jess and it's a bit of a twisty one. So she's written in with, I'm interested in dating a good friend's ex-boyfriend and I'm wondering what the best way is to navigate this. Ooh, okay. So gosh, my first question is, and this is probably the most important thing that Jess um, should ask herself is um, how much you, you know how much do you value that friendship, right? Because mm-hmm. if you're worried at all about losing that friend, keep in mind that there are plenty of fish in the sea. Don't let a a scarcity mindset dictate what you do next. Really, kind of keep in mind there are plenty of people out there, and so if you're not prepared to lose that friendship or compromise it in any way it might be worth a bit of a rethink on how much you pursue that relationship. Sometimes, you know, because sometimes I guess even discussing it with your friend could cause a bit of a wobble in the friendship. So Mm -hmm. I think the most important thing to do is to reflect on if you cast your mind forward 12 months and you'd lost that friend as a result, would it be worth it? Could you live with that? Mm, I don't think those situations are ever easy or simple. (laughs) I want to ask how important is communication when dating and having good communication? 
Mm-hmm. Very important. Mm. <laughs> um, I mean, communication is how we form connection with people. But mm. I think there's a few different elements of communication that it's probably worth touching on. I think the first is how you're communicating with yourself. We've talked a lot about that so far already and um, how, you know, the stories and the thoughts that you're giving credit to in your mind can really affect um, how you're communicating outwardly as well, mm-hmm. but it can really obviously affect how you're feeling and how you behave. So that that's an element of communication I think is under um, valued or maybe not discussed as much as part of communication. I also think that sometimes people can be more discerning about, you know, what they might write in like a text message than they will be about what they're telling themselves in their own heads. That's the first thing that really a lot of things flow from that. Also, I think what you're communicating is, you know, paying attention to what you're communicating and how effective that is, is so important. You know, what you're saying, the tonality, the body language, all those things do, do add up. But I think there's also an element of paying, really paying attention to what someone else is communicating through all those things. But I think the one element that maybe gets undervalued um, again is how people are communicating through their actions, mm-hmm. right? So a lot of the focus, I think, around communication and dating gets put on words specifically, you know. What's been sent in that text message? Was there a kiss? Was it long enough? Are they asking you how your day was as well? <laughs> exactly. And when you think about like what you debrief on when you talk about someone that you might be starting to see, sometimes it's about what they're saying. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's like, well, I've said this, I've shared that, and, you know, they seem to want this and da 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 But to give you an example of what I mean by actions versus words, right, if someone is, let's say you've just been on you know, you're the early stages of dating someone and they've said a lot of stuff about, you know, how you're really special and you're different to everyone else that they've ever dated and no one's made them feel this way and there's all of these, like, really amazing statements that they're making. They've obviously communicated that through words, but it's really important that you're also paying attention to what they're communicating through their actions And that's why time is your friend because you can only sometimes really calibrate the two and see whether they're consistent with time, right? So if someone's making all these grand statements but they're actually really flaky, don't make you feel respected in how they're behaving towards you, they're just sending all kinds of mixed messages, um, that would be in a way that's them communicating through their actions, right? So I think... Mm -hmm. I think all of those elements of communication are really are really important, and um, there's in some ways, yeah. As I said, we tend to overvalue the 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 written or the verbal yeah. element of of language. I think. And can you actually flip that scenario backwards? Because I find younger men um, that like sometimes chatting and talking and texting isn't what their strong point but their actions are so you might not be receiving a lot of messages but when you're seeing them in person they're always engaging with you they're always um, making sure they're available to spend time with you would that be the kind of thing to focus more on in is making sure that their those actions are there Exactly. It works both ways, right? Like you, you're looking for, um, 
actions that can be kind of red flags and actions that can be a real sign of, you know, someone may not be super expressive. They may not be as um, communicative as you are through words, but Mm. their body language, their actions, how, you know, how reliable they are, the signals that they're sending in other ways, exactly, exactly as you said then is, is so important. And, um, back to that, you know, that topic we were talking about earlier about being um, being picky and having standards, you know, and having those like sparkly eggshell things that come up. Sometimes mm-hmm. a really common sparkly eggshell can be um, getting really lured in by someone who's a really flashy texter. Yeah. You know, so someone yeah. who's really expressive over text, but maybe they're not actually that great when it comes to their behaviour taking a little bit of what we just spoke about in terms of how important when it comes to communication are the follow-up in actions how do we navigate this when we're living in a pandemic where a lot of online dating is now online and it's not face to face like how can we navigate that space to make sure that we're dating the right people our values are aligned we're not getting misled by the the sparkly eggshell of the flashy text messages how can we navigate that kind of situation yeah look it it is um I think a lot of a lot of the time with online dating there can be a tendency to overuse what you can achieve just in the texting on the app so that would be my first point around that that you know, in this um, day and age, if you're doing a lot of online dating, which is pretty much one of the main ways that a lot of people would be doing any form of dating right now, um, try not to misuse the text element of that. And what I mean by that is, you know, staying in a text conversation for weeks and weeks with someone because you're not really going to be able to work out, you know, firstly, whether their real personality connects with you in the same way in a conversation as it does over text message, but also Mm -hmm. if someone is freely expressing things over text, you want to make sure that that kind of flows into a richer form of communication as well. So they're not just a great texter, but they're also someone that you feel like a connection with when you're having a virtual date, right, or a phone call or something that gives you a much better read on someone. And then I think um, one of the like little pieces of silver lining that has come out of, um, I guess, online dating through the pandemic and everything that's happened is that people are embracing virtual dating at a much greater rate, right? And so mm. it gives you that ability to upgrade from a text into a virtual date. And someone who's not interested in something, you know, really building that emotional connection when you think about it, then they're going to be far less likely to be willing to invest time in having multiple virtual dates with you, Mm. right? So in Mm. in some ways it's created a little inbuilt um, screener in a way of working out, is someone willing to invest that time in in, in getting to know me through several virtual dates? And then um, and then when it comes to, I guess, sense checking some of those things um, that you're asking about, like that's, it's all of the same principles still apply to how someone is, you know, behaving and treating you in between your virtual mm. dates, but also on the dates themselves, right? Um, so I think so I trying to move towards 
like having FaceTime conversations, Zoom conversations, even yeah. just calling rather than just primarily only having text it's, and conversations. Absolutely. Because you're still wanting to see like is someone willing to actually invest time in getting to know me mm-hmm. and investing time in texting you isn't mm-hmm. necessarily the same thing, right? And I think we yeah. can get really addicted to um sometimes it'll just be an attention thing, right? Mm-hmm. So you want to really stress test, is someone keen to get to know someone and form a connection or are they just looking for a pen pal? Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Well, coming to the final part of our podcast now, and I was wondering if you can recommend three dot point reasons why we shouldn't hold back when it comes to dating. Ooh, okay. That's a great question. Um and if you mean, I've sort of interpret, I would interpret that question as like holding back in general, like holding yourself back in dating, mm. right? Um, first bullet point is I suspect we've all just got the one life. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and you know what? You won't be, you won't be single forever. So enjoy mm. the time that you're single and try to find, you know, try to find things that you enjoy and cherish about it. So mm. Even if right now you're going on a bunch of virtual dates, you know, embracing the novelty of that and, you know, finding some some enjoyment in that, making, you know, making that fun for you, um, you know, getting ready and spending time like, you know, getting ready for those dates might be something that you enjoy, right? So yeah. find the little Enjoy thing. the journey. We can, there's only a matter of time until we look back in 20 years' time and go, oh, my God, I had to go on virtual dates when there was a pandemic around exactly. the world. You would not believe it. <laughs> exactly. And it's like what would you want your memories to be like, you know? So try and find that little element of enjoyment and cherish, mm-hmm. you know, cherish your singledom and don't, don't see it as a slur on you. You know, see it as this is your time, you know, make the most of it. Just enjoy, enjoy it. The second thing would be remember that everyone wants connection. So inside every single person you meet is someone who wants to feel um, human connection and it's to help yourself, um, you know, really back yourself and lean into into connection with other people. Remind yourself that literally in every conversation you have and every interaction you have with someone is someone who wants connection, right? That doesn't, that doesn't mean that they want a relationship. It doesn't mean that they want the same things, but at the very core, they want connection. So don't be afraid of leaning into, into connecting with people. Um, and the third thing is, you know, um, the people who are right for you won't be turned off by just you being you. So mm-hmm. try not to overthink and analyse. Not everyone's going to be a fan, and I actually think that's a good thing, right? That's part of whittling out the people that you do and don't want um, to invest time in to have surrounded in your life. So mm. um, the more you're able to just be yourself, I think the more people will gravitate, the right people will gravitate towards you. So those are the three things. Um, <laughs> yeah. And and could you recommend a motto or quote when it comes to mm-hmm. dating that you really stand by? Yeah, so there's one that's been, there's something that's been on my mind a lot lately um, as I, re- I read something about, you know, regrets that people do and don't have when they get to their old age. And mm-hmm. so rather than it being a motto or a quote, it's probably more of a thought, mm-hmm. which is that, you know, when we're old and grey and we're at the very end of our lives, right, 
um, which might seem like a really long time away <laughs> for some of your listeners. Um, but something that no one ever says at the end of their life is, I wish I'd just backed myself less, right? Yeah. They will never say that at the end of their life. So the one thing that you'll never regret regret is being your own biggest supporter. So mm. I think that is kind of the mindset and mentality that you can take not just into dating but into so many parts of your life. Yeah, that's a great one. I really, that's a really good thought. And lastly, Audrey, could you please tell me a little bit more about My Wing Woman and where we can find you? Yeah, absolutely. So with My Wing Woman, I offer one-on-one coaching and also um, online workshops for women. Mm -hmm. So I do a bunch of different um, virtual workshops all the time. And the best place to find me is um, by heading to mywingwoman.com.au or you can follow me on Instagram um, with the handle uh, my.wingwoman. And um, I know we've talked a lot about standards through this conversation. We've kind of touched on that a little bit. So um, if any of your listeners are interested, I do have a um, workshop coming up called Design Your Dating Standards later on in September. Um, so that's just an example of something that, um, that I kind of get really stuck into in some of my workshops. Well, a big thank you so much for coming on today and chatting to us, Audrey. That was such a fascinating conversation. And although I'm I'm in a relationship and very happy, I was still so beneficial to learn. Um, I think there were so many things that I'm like, oh my gosh, single Georgina could have used all those tools. Oh, that's good. I'm so glad. Yeah. Thank you. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Wow. I really hope you enjoyed my conversation with Audrey and found everything that she had to say extremely useful. We release new episodes every Tuesday, so make sure you subscribe and tune in next week. Otherwise, come follow us on Instagram at thewowpodcast underscore for more updates. Lastly, just a friendly reminder that the information shared in this podcast is general advice only and does not take into account your personal situation or needs. Where appropriate, please consult a health practitioner first. Thanks, guys. Have a good week.